The following podcast is brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team from Secondary Learners, Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. As we commence this podcast today, let us acknowledge the traditional custodians of all the lands on which this podcast will be played around New South Wales. Their art, storytelling, music and dance, along with all First Nations people, hold the memories, the traditions, the culture and hopes of Aboriginal Australia. Let us acknowledge with honour and respect our Elders past, present and future, especially those Aboriginal people in our presence today who have and still do guide us with their wisdom. Welcome to the Creative Cast podcast series. My name's Jackie King and I'm a Creative Arts Project Advisor with the New South Wales Department of Education. Today we are having a music bonus episode where Alex Manson and I will discuss recently released music resources addressing Aboriginal perspectives and histories in the music classroom. Please welcome Alex Manson. Hi Alex, how are you going? <laughs> Hi, Jackie. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining me today to have a bit of a chat about resources that we've released, some of them last year. But earlier this term, we released a podcast where you spoke with Dr. Thomas Feinberg and Anthony Galuzzo about Aboriginal perspectives in the music classroom. And as I was listening to that, I thought, oh, we've got some really great resources already available to teachers that address some of the things that they talked about in that podcast. And I thought it's a really great time just to remind everybody what's there on our Department of Education, like our Creative Arts Curriculum page website for people to be able to go and use and adapt for their own classroom settings. So that's what this podcast is about today, to have a bit of a chat about those resources that are there and how it addresses some of those things that were discussed in that really informative podcast that we released in week one of this term. So do you think we should start with stage four? Uh, yeah, Jackie, I think uh, stage four is a great place to start because I know that you started with the Aboriginal program for stage four that was very much based on Aboriginal pedagogy in the eight ways. And when I was helping to develop the material for stage five, I found that very useful to have a look at. So for that stage four program, when I was creating that program, I really wanted to get teachers to think about their local context and connecting with their local AECG and really looking at that community links element of the eight ways or the Aboriginal pedagogy, because that is really important about connecting with the land in which you're on and what's important to that. Um, and I know when I was a teacher, I wasn't really encouraged to connect with my local AECG. The person who ran the programs for Aboriginal students in our school had all of the connections with the local AECG, but not necessarily all of the teachers. And I think that's really 
important to get out there. And that's what Anthony, I think, was talking about a lot in the podcast was that that ACG is there for us to connect what we're doing in our classrooms to the local Aboriginal community and getting in the elders and speaking about what we're doing in the classroom and connecting it to Aboriginal traditions and and the culture and particularly that country and that community. And so I felt a bit relieved as the, the podcast went on when Anthony was talking about it's really important to connect with AECG because that is really what this stage four program is about. It's about connecting what the traditional music, traditional Aboriginal music, but also contemporary Aboriginal music, et cetera, to um, the local community and really connecting with that local AECG. In terms of the the Aboriginal pedagogy, that is something that I've actually programmed with for a really long time. It was a requirement in our school, actually, when it was first introduced, it was obviously called the eight ways, and that those eight ways were considered in our programs as we did. So there's a lot of elements of storytelling in the program. There's a lot of nonlinear thinking. So in terms of some of the listening activities, it's not directly we're going to listen for these characteristics of Aboriginal, traditional Aboriginal music in these pieces of music. There's a tally exercise where where students listen in stations. So it's that non-linear approach to the learning in that. In terms of deconstruct, reconstruct, we listen to things as a whole or we read a dreaming story as a whole and then we break it down into different parts and then we put it back together in a composition. So there's lots of those elements of the Aboriginal pedagogy or the eight ways as some people may know it all the way throughout the program. But the really strongest part of that program, I think, is the the links to the community and the links to the land that they are on. So yeah, I actually, I was really lucky to work with the Aboriginal Outcomes and Partnerships team in consulting on that program and writing on that program. And also the Literacy and Numeracy team got involved with helping me with that program as well. And there's lots of links to the learning progressions in that as well, being for stage four. In terms of it being updated, this term though, to support online learning, I actually did turn that Aboriginal music program into a student online module. So that's more about the students investigating Aboriginal music, playing some of the contemporary Aboriginal artists' songs, and then also really delving into their own culture and and creating a bit of a podcast about what the music of their culture looks like. So, yeah, if if you're stuck in online learning, that is a resource that is out there that's going to be helpful. That's fantastic, Jackie. And the eight ways, for, I guess, for people listening at home include community links, deconstruct, reconstruct, which you've talked about both of those, and the nonlinear, as well as land links, symbols and images, nonverbal learning maps and story sharing. When I sort of reflect as a music educator on those eight ways, so much of it, it just comes 
we're already doing it in our teaching and, and we don't realize that we're doing it. And so like you, I was really pleased to sort of say, oh no, I, I am covering those aspects of the pedagogy. And it's just great to see that it, it it's so intuitive, I guess, to, to incorporate that in our teaching. We might talk now about your stage five Australian music program. The thing I really liked most about your Australian music program is it looks at some more of those perspectives and histories throughout the program. And definitely when you look at the music of contemporary Aboriginal artists in that program, you are getting students to look at the country that they are from. And that is something that Anthony and Dr. Thomas Feinberg really emphasised in their podcast, I think. Do you want to talk a little bit about that element of your program? Yeah, definitely. So when I was putting together this stage five program, I obviously considered music by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists as being a core component of that, that program really. But the content there kind of covers two things. It covers music by Aboriginal artists, but it also covers that historical and cultural perspective. But it does that through a variety of different styles of music. So there's a section in there on popular music by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists where students do get to choose um, an artist of their choice. There's four activities there. There's a Baker Boy performance activity, a Thelma Plum one, a Misha one who she's a Torres Strait Islander and um, Aboriginal artist, as well as a Yothi Yindi, of course, in there to give um, students a choice between four different types of activities, whether they want to rap like Baker Boy or play ukulele and sing like Thelma. There's an acapella version of the Maisha song and the obviously a rock for, for Yothi Yindi. So there's lots of choice there and it's encouraging students obviously will learn to play one of those songs and, and create their own version of it and then listen to what they've done and, and pull it apart. But they also need to identify what land that those artists come from. And then later on in the activity, it encourages students to choose their own song of a, of a different Aboriginal artist and try to connect with them if they can using social media in some way to let that artist know that they are performing that song. And that's something that Tom Feinberg also talked about in the podcast and it's something that he does with his students. So I did work with him in developing that kind of part of the project and having chat to him about ways so that students are having that connection with artists. So that's one part of the program. I guess the other part of the program, there's a section on art music there. And although it's not by an Aboriginal artist, it certainly addresses the historical and cultural perspectives of our First Nations people and the colonisation of Australia. And that's the work titled The Rabbits, which actually started off as a text, a beautiful book by John Marsden and Sean Tan, which is also got gorgeous images in it. It's a, it's a story book and it depicts the colonisation of Australia and its adverse effects it had on our First Nations people and covers issues surrounding conflict and the stolen generation, industrialization and its effect on the environment and also the loss of Aboriginal culture in that book. Uh, that book was then later turned into an opera of all things by Kate Miller-Heidke, Australian singer and Ian Grandage. And it was performed at the Sydney Opera House, I think a few years ago now, but one of the, the key pieces in that or most po popular pieces is titled The Rabbits. In the book itself, the story is told using animals. So in the book, the marsupials, 
are meant to represent our Aboriginal people and the rabbits it represents the Europeans and, and their settlements. And the activities in that part of the unit explore those themes and they also explore the music themselves. So each of those characters is depicted by different styles. So the rabbits use a very kind of operatic musical style. The marsupials use more pop kind of genre or musical theatre kind of ways of singing. And that particular unit, I guess, is also focused on literacy in a way, as well as history. We've got those cross curriculum kind of ties with, with history and, and um, English there. And I just think it sends a really important message to students in, in understanding that event from the perspective of Aboriginal people. I think too what is really cool about that and linking, I guess, back to the podcast, Anthony Galuzzo did say something about not shying away from the truth even though it might be uncomfortable. And that story definitely does not shy away from that truth even though it may be uncomfortable. I really love how that program ends with then another band who never shies away from telling the truth, and that is Midnight Oil and their Macarada project. So do you want to just talk a little to the exercises in that or the activities in that um, yeah. part of the program? Yeah, of course. So for those that don't know, the Macarada project is a Midnight Oil album that actually collaborates with 18 Aboriginal artists, and it's essentially a protest album in recognition of our need to continue to work towards, towards reconciliation through the Uluru Statement. The Uluru Statement is a message written to Australian people from Aboriginal Australians, and it's a culmination of a decade's work of Aboriginal perspectives on the Australia's constitution in our nation's history. So there are a couple of songs there that are contained within that unit. One is called First Nations and one is called Gadigal Land. And students need to learn one of those two songs in small groups, like rock groups. And then they record their own versions and then they use their own version as a comparative analysis with the original. And then the composition activity is based on the musical features of those songs, um, but also encourages students to talk about something that they're passionate about. So covering that kind of protest song type genre as well. So it's just a fantastic project. And I love that there's something in there for everyone in terms of the different artists that are performing. So we've talked today a little bit about the resources that we've got and what's there and what's on our website. And also the podcast that you did with Dr. Thomas Feinberg and Anthony Galuzzo. How do you think some of these things help students in the classroom? Obviously, we, we know that the Aboriginal pedagogy is a great way to be teaching through culture and using all of those Aboriginal ways of learning and knowing. It doesn't just engage Aboriginal students, it engages all of our students. And it's really strongly linked to, to the quality teaching framework. So much of that links really nicely. I think that ultimately it's really important that we're teaching Aboriginal perspectives as well as music by Aboriginal artists, not just for those Aboriginal students within our classrooms, but to everyone because it, it's our history, it's our culture, it's the land on which we now live for many of us who, you know, have come 
as immigrants, essentially. And it is everyone's responsibility. And as teachers, it's our job to inform and educate about our history and our culture. And there's so much to learn from it. And it's so rich and it's about connecting and just understanding everyone's heritage, really. And we need to keep having these conversations. We need to keep them current and we need to keep them relevant and to keep having these discussions in the classroom, even though teachers may not feel comfortable with it. I'm hoping that through what we're providing here at the department with these resources as an avenue to do that or as a model to do that, if teachers do feel apprehensive. And I, I kind of keep thinking, I'm like, okay, well, so we've, we've written all these amazing resources but where to next like what can we do now you know what what could we do for stage six where can we take this can we collaborate with some aboriginal artists further to to create even more resources so that we can keep providing relevant and updated material for our teachers 100 percent. that's a watch this space part (laughs) isn't it i think for teachers And I know, you know, I've felt this too because I'm not Aboriginal. I have felt a a bit of apprehension, a bit of worry, I guess, that when I'm addressing Aboriginal perspectives, histories, looking at Aboriginal music in my classroom, that I am doing it respectfully and I am doing it correctly and all of those things. So I think for me, and like the guys said in the podcast, this is everyone's business. It's not just important to Aboriginal people. It's got to be everybody's business to ensure that Aboriginal perspectives and histories and learning through culture is happening in all classrooms. And I guess having resources like this gives teachers an in for doing that. And, you know, all of our resources that we create have had the Aboriginal outcomes and partnerships team looking at it or an Aboriginal uh, education and wellbeing team having a look at it and approving it and consulting on it. And so I guess for any teachers out there who are feeling apprehensive about where to start, perhaps our resources do give them that in. This is an opportunity. It's created in consultation with Aboriginal people. It encourages more consultation with Aboriginal people and it gives you that place to start to addressing it in the classroom because, uh, as Thomas Feinberg said, to be really improving the outcomes for Aboriginal students they need to know that their culture is respected in the classroom and not shied away from. And I think that's a really important stepping stone. Absolutely. Mm. And I think as well, um, you've just got to give it a go and you might get things wrong and that's okay. You know, you acknowledge that you got something wrong if you, you weren't quite sure about what you said and then find a way to say it again because you, you've got to make mistakes to learn from them then to be able to deliver respectfully and that's more important than than getting it right initially I think so you've just got to get in there and educate yourself and use what's available to you so yeah yeah fantastic and so wrapping up these resources are available on our creative arts curriculum website and a link to all of them are going to be in the show notes so you can click on that link they are available to everyone from every sector so get in and have a look at them and 
I would say the most important thing to do is to adapt them to your community, to your school, to your students. You know the people who are in front of you and reach out to Aboriginal people either in your school, in your community, and remembering that that AECG is there for everyone to consult with. This podcast was brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team of Secondary Learners Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. Get involved in the conversation by joining our statewide staff room through the link in the show notes or email our Creative Arts Curriculum Advisor, Catherine Horvat at creativearts7-12 at det.nsw.edu.au. The music for this podcast was composed by Alex Manton and audio production by Jason King.